When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, uh, we are live. This is our first ever Patreon exclusive. Johnny, is the, is the tweet ready? It's not, because this it's, is not going out on Twitter today. This is No, new. no, this is... Whoever, whoever's listening to this, you are like someone sitting in a VIP section of your local nightclub, okay? You've got your club velvet level. rope at <laughs> club level. Yes, basically that means that your feet are still sticking to the carpet, but less so than those other, you know, just run-of-the-mill people on the other side of the velvet rope. You have, you, you've got exclusivity, guys, so enjoy it. Matt, how you doing? Um, have you just been for a run? Just been for a run, just soaking myself up, trying to think of elite content. Uh, to bring to our uh, biggest fans, you know, this is a it's a land it's a landmark moment, and uh, and we're 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 going to up the game. We are going to up the game, Johnny. Do you want to just quickly explain to the people that are new to the Patreon because it is completely new what to expect in the in the off season, and then what's happening in the actual season? So everybody is a hundred percent clear of the expectations here. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, you know, we we we're um quite open with this. Like this is something new to us. We're kind of we've got obviously plans in place, but some of it we're feeling out as we go and and that's how it should be because at the end of the day we want a a product for you guys that is going to be, you know, feel like you can help curate it as well. And uh, and we want to hear some of the stuff that you guys want to see um from the Arsenal Opinion podcast. But first of all, the summer is slow in terms of actual high-level football matches, but it's not slow for, for news, for content. And we will be doing weekly transfer roundups with all of the players that we think that we're going to sign that we don't end up signing so we can get our hopes built up together and then crushed as we end up getting Andre Santos's love child uh, <laughs> who's been scouted by a scout who's not working very hard. Um, so we will be doing that. I'm starting a series as of tomorrow. That's Tuesday, um, which will be my top 25 Arsenal players of the last 25 years. There are already guys. Now, it's funny because 
as I'm going through the list, and I have actually had to research quite a bit to kind of back up some of my judgments. Um, and I just, as I'm as I'm writing out my list, I'm thinking there's a lot of people who are going to have issues with some of the places that I've put these players. But I'm going to at least have shown that I've. I'm going to show you my workings out like a good GCSE student. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a bit of fun that everyone can engage with. It's Arsenal content, which is what we all want. Um, and yeah, apart from that, when we do, we're, we're going to have different bits of content that will be springing up throughout the summer. But once we go live in that season, it's game time, guys. You know that we'll be delivering the On The Whistle podcast, just as we always have over the course of the season. And that will be free to anyone. We're not getting rid of that for anyone. We want everyone to be part of the Arsenal uh, opinion community. But you guys who've patreon those before the Whistle podcast that we were getting going with, that's for you, okay? That's special for you because we love you just that little bit more. Um, so we're going to be doing those before the Whistle podcast exclusive for you. We might release them after the game, but who wants to listen to a before the Whistle podcast after the game? Who knows? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not what you guys should have to deal with. Um, apart from that, as we, as we previously mentioned, a lot of people are shouting about how some of our greatest episodes have been, you know, when we've had guests on and there are more guests lined up and it makes it easier when we've got that Patreon community to not just support us financially, but also, you know, in terms of that guaranteed support in terms of helping to curate the show, but also guaranteed eyeballs. So it's going to give us more encouragement to get more people on engaged with the podcast. So it's going to be a packed summer and even more packed, uh, next Premier League season with a with a World Cup slipped in there like a, a like an unsuspecting sausage in the middle of a cheese and tomato sandwich. Like where's that come from? Um, but there's there's yeah. I mean, don't blink because there's going to be a lot of stuff and we don't want you to miss it. Well, that, I'm excited about the Patreon. Matt is excited about the Patreon. Uh, it's a so bit like that... uh, it's a bit like Josh Cronky, isn't it? Be excited. Be excited. <laughs> Be excited indeed. All right. Okay. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's get started. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to the first ever Patreon episode. I am joined by man like Matt Candela. I'm joined by Johnny Cochran. We are here to kick off our first ever exclusive piece of content. It's only going to go out to 100 people. So if you're sitting here right now, this is like being at a private members club, uh, watching Johnny uh, shill for big oil or something like that, or whatever you do in your spare time, Johnny. Um, <laughs> well, it ain't that. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You don't do that. All right, well, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for um, donating. You're incredibly generous. We're excited to go on this journey with you. Um, we're going to follow pretty much the same format that we always follow. We're going straight to the hottest takes. Matt Candela, how do you do a hottest take when there is no Arsenal football to hot take about? Uh, good question. Uh, there's sort of two ways of doing it, I think. The first thing is we're obviously in Champions League final week. Um, and certainly um, I um, had a lot of sympathy this week for Liverpool. Um, I thought they were by far the better team against Real Madrid. A lot of people don't agree with that take. A lot of people are saying that uh, Liverpool are on the way out. This is the beginning of the end for them. How can they not score in finals? But from where I was watching, which admittedly was behind about 18 people in a very, very crowded bar after about seven pints. But from where I was watching, I thought Liverpool were by far the be better team. I think they were the best team 
in Europe overall this season. I think Klopp's an incredible manager and what he's done, it shows just how competitive uh, and how much ground we have to make up this summer just to get anywhere near them. The quality is so much higher in the way that they move the football around the pitch than where we are right now. And so when you see that aligned with our everything that's going on with all our, all the transfers and the ins and outs, you realise that uh, baseline, you know, the baseline of Jesus and Tillman and maybe one other is not going to get us where we need to get to. That's my hottest take. We need more, more, more uh, when you see what Liverpool have got and what, what the bar, how high the bar is now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to jump off the back of that. And um, I didn't get to watch the game. I had a gig that night, but I've seen from where I was watching was watching YouTube highlights. And I think I've got enough ammunition to make sweeping statements about the game that I'm in full agreement with you, Matt. I think Liverpool definitely look like they deserve to win. Um, Liverpool are a team that, in general, there are certain teams that I don't want to do well in particular competitions. For instance, Liverpool, they've already broken the back of the Champions League. I mean, what are they on, six now? Like, seven? I don't even know. The fact is, is winning another Champions League, of course, they're going to be happy about it. They should be. It's the Europe's premier competition. But they've got loads of that, loads of them already. Winning the league, however, in a nip-and-tuck fight with Man United currently as to who has the most leagues, that means more to them. So I never want Liverpool to win the league. I'd much rather City win the league. And I'd much rather Liverpool win the Champions League than City because they've never done it before. Just like for ages, I was I was praying to the football gods that Chelsea wouldn't win the Champions League. And they've done it and they've broken that hoodoo. And that's why Arsenal need to, you know, I, I dream about this day. The, my biggest... My biggest dream for Arsenal in general is winning the Champions League. It's when everything changes for me. I I, I think that's that's what we all should be. Even in our fandom, of course, we support support Arsenal through thick and thin. But that's what we should all have as our North Star. That's what we want to get to, to be European champions. Never done it before. It would be so seismic to think as an Arsenal fan, we'd be the first generation experiencing it. Arsenal being a European champions, the premier team in Europe, that's sensational. And so, you know, it would it, it's about doing away with a certain hoodoo. And that's why I wouldn't have minded Liverpool winning it. Real Madrid, obviously, have got countless Champions Leagues. And I don't like Real either. I really don't like them as a club. Um, I, I actually found it easier to watch them win it this year because they seem to be... Um, imbued with this kind of, you know, plucky upstart spirit this year, unlike various iterations of their team in the past, when it's been, you know, who's the best players in the world? You have to play for Real Madrid, like someone's been creating their team on FIFA Ultimate Team. Whereas this year, it's like Benzema's about 35 and still going bonkers. Luka Modric, aka Gal Platt from uh, Coronation Street, he's still going and still looking at the nuts. And like all of them are at the last knockings of their career, and yet they managed to get over the line through having championship mentality. And I think that, and just to end on this point, if you want to look at a club that have the ability to perform beyond the sum of their parts, because they almost feel they they almost feel like they have to do it because of the stature of the club because of the weight of the shirt and the badge. That's what it looks like. You believe we're going to win it because they believe they're going to win it because they are Real Madrid. And we need to get that Arsenal where it stops being, 
oh yeah, we might fluff our lines at the end. It starts becoming, we're going to win the big competitions because we're Arsenal again. Well, I'll tell you something that I think is interesting, just jumping off that point, is that we've been talking about Arsenal being one of the premier projects for young footballers. Uh, Pete, especially, has espoused that idea, which I think has got some truth to it. Um, and we've always looked at like Dortmund. You know, we've always gone, oh, maybe we should be like Dortmund or something like that. But, you know, there's an argument to say that Real Madrid have actually got a similar model now. And I know they've got these sort of ageing players, but, you know, they they nearly broke themselves with this Galactico model for however many years. But now you look at the way that they sign players. Their model is we're going to buy the best young players before their stars that come out of Brazil. And we're going to bet that they're going to turn into the next Neymars, the next Messi's and all of that. And they've done it with Rodrigo, uh, with Vinny, um, you know, with, with, with all of these, all of these young players, they've got like, they've got a new model of team. And you look at what we're doing with, um, is it, is it Marquinhos or, or the, 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 Marquinhos, the, the yeah, yeah, the new, the new Brazilian guy, where basically we've got absolutely no idea whether he's any good or not, but, He's torn up the Brazil, the, the Brazilian leagues for a while. And you go, hmm, interesting, because Real Madrid, by putting some older players in with those younger players, have been able to not wait four or five years to get there. They've been able to challenge immediately, but with a modern self-sustaining model. So um, it's an interesting, interesting way of looking at it. Very not, not what you would expect from Real Madrid. Yeah. Well, I, I think actually what you two are both alluding to here is that experience seems to count for something at the highest level. So the uh, Arsenal finishing fifth, although it feels painful right now, I think we're seeing the reality of it. For uh, for I, I don't I don't I don't quite know whether a, a midfield of Tony Cruz uh, and Luka Modric with uh, Karim Benzema spearing the attack can be regarded as anything close to what Arsenal were doing. But, I, you know, I, I see what you're talking about. Madrid have always done a, a reasonable job of signing top young players. I mean, Vinny Jr. feels like he's been around forever, but he's still quite a young player. I think the, I think the interesting thing is both of those teams are kind of perceived as, as aging entities to a certain degree. I mean, you look at that Liverpool starting lineup. There's a lot of uh, 28 years old plus in there: Virgil Van Dijk, Allison, Fabinho, Henderson, uh, Alcantara, Mane, Salah. I mean, that is a that is an old team that Liverpool have got. 28 is not old though. I don't think. I think 28 is prime. 28 is think... when you start uh, when hamstrings start to ping a little mm. bit. It's when you start getting injuries. It's when those 60 game a season start to take their toll a little bit. But, well, if you if you look at it from a contract perspective, if you're re-signing a 28-year-old, that is when you have to start questioning, you know, what the next five years are going to look like. And it's basically a lot of the time players, when they get to that age, they're signing their last big contract because they're saying, yeah, no, till I'm about 33, you can pretty much guarantee I'm going to play the majority of the games, you know, whereas... At a younger age, you're signing 24 year olds. You know that they are, and they're only getting better in most cases. You know, but I think I think that um, it's when you, to, to just return to that Liverpool point. I don't think that Liverpool are completely on the way. And they have got aging stars, and they are going to have to recruit. But they, what they do well, which Arsenal need to do, is you don't get to the top 
and then rest on your laurels. You have to constantly be planting new seeds so that the old crop get replaced by the new crop. Otherwise, you find that what we had with, uh, you know, a model after the Vieira and Henri days where you have to kind of scrap everything, it's scorched earth. And then you come back with like Project Youth, you know, where it's like a complete revolution rather than an evolution of the success that you've already established. Well, yeah, and that's the that's going to be the difficult thing with Liverpool. There's a, there's going to be a lot of disruption there, whether they like it or not. This summer, uh, M- Michael Edwards, the best sporting director in the world, is exiting the business. Jurgen Klopp is probably going to take on this rebuild himself. That's what the the rumblings are. It's going to be difficult to replace Virgil Van Dijk. There's no one. In, there's no one in the world that can can do that Virgil Van Dijk job. William moment. Saliba, <laughs> Mo, Mo, Mo Salah. Uh, I don't think he signed a new deal yet. Um, Sadio Mane is potentially going to Bayern Munich. It's, it, it, Liverpool are at the absolute peak. They might last another season, but decline is coming. Decline yeah. is coming, and it's how they manage out the back end of it. And it's going to be really difficult to 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 hit those levels. And Liverpool are like Arsenal. There's not really a lot of margin for error. They're, they're just a well-run club. But like one or two misses in key positions. And I think that that's what Arsenal are looking at. In two years' time, when Liverpool or City start to decline, are our players peaking? Because our average age goes from 23 to 25. And that's the start of the cycle, the success cycle. It, re- um, it reminds me a little bit of Arsenal in that I think Liverpool have been the best team in the world for probably four years. And yet... They've got they've got a fair amount to show for it. Obviously, they've mm. they've won the league once, but you know, behind COVID, behind closed doors, wasn't wasn't the glorious league championship win it could have been. One league, uh, one Champions League, a lot of final defeats. You know, I feel like the quality of what they've achieved to that they built there has deserved more than they've been able to deliver. And it reminds me a little bit of Arsenal. You know, that glorious like. 2002 to 2004 you know we won two leagues we won FA Cups but we should have won more leagues we should have won it in 2003 yeah Uh, we should have won the Champions League in 2004 we should have won the Champions League in 2005 you know like it could have been a truly golden era and um it that there does seem to me like some some parallels they're both sort of idealists Klopp and Wenger in a way and maybe being an idealist means you don't quite get to realise all of the potential in the same way that maybe a Chelsea or a City just like grind it out a little bit more. But I think I think part of it as well comes down to the fact what we're actually talking about are dynasties. You know, these, these are dynast- dynastic clubs um, in peak eras and Liverpool know more than anyone because they've had previous dynasties and and which has kind of died away and they waited a long time to get back to be competitive in the league um but and I'm in complete agreement about with you Matt in terms of when we were at the top we that Wayne Bridge goal against us a hybrid that game is horrible it, it haunts me as much as the Paris defeat um to Barca because because if we had beat Chelsea we would have beat Monaco in the final, we had to beat them, but we bottled it at home against the Chelsea team that were nowhere near as good as what they went on to be. They were there for the taking and we fluffed our lines that day. But when you look at uh, dynasties, how much they can go on to achieve 
will often be dictated by whether there's another dynasty that has emerged. Unfortunately for Liverpool, for as good as they've been, and I think that they are as good a Premier League team as we've ever seen. They are excellent, to be fair. Um, but they they emerged at the same time that City were already there, winning the league all the time. Like score The amount of points these two clubs score, it's crazy. And that is... it. It's as daunting a task trying to catch up with the the league leaders as it's as I can remember it ever being. Like right now, there is a clear cut difference between them two and the rest. And I do think that, as Pete was saying, that I, I, I'm not sure there will be a decline, as you kind of put it, Pete. But there will have to be change. Obviously, the players they brought in, Luis Diaz looks excellent. Will he be as good as Salah, thirty goals a year? I don't think straight away. No. Um, Mane and Salah, I think, will both stay, but it's whether or not Jota and Diaz can get to their levels by the time that Mane and Salah step away or do start to decline. I'm not so sure they will, and I'm not sure that we, if we make the right kinds of signings, I think basically, I've said this before, I think Saka has the potential to be a Salah. I really do. I don't think he's there yet. Of course not. It's very hard to get there because you're probably talking about the best player in the world. But, but I he's, think that he's is there in terms game. of where Salah was. He's he where Salah was at that age. No, I think it's ahead. I think, it, I think it's ahead of him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely way ahead of him. Way ahead. So yeah. I think Salah was just moving to Switzerland. Yeah. at this point in uh, when he was twenty-one, Mane was in France, not even a, yeah. making regular starts. So I think I think he's way ahead. It just it's preserving. It's just when you play it when Saka plays at such a high level at such an intensity. It's more about preserving his body and making sure that we don't butcher him like has previously happened with players like Jack Wilshire when they've come onto the scene so early. I think the yeah. other th- I think the other thing is uh I remember pre-97-98 when we Man United looked like years light years ahead of us. Light years. We we weren't even in the same breath as them. Arsene Wenger came in and really four killer signings, you know, it was um, Vieira, Obermars, uh, Petit, and Anelka. Yeah, and like those four players were just you just literally just put four world class players in the team in the space of basically in the space of twelve to eighteen months. You know, I know Vieira came a little bit earlier, but he put them in and bedded them in, and that's why the only way that this Arsenal team can get to that level is if this summer, in my opinion, we put three three players of that quality into our first team. That's yeah. that's the only way we can really catch up. You know, because if you're just saying, oh, well, Smith Rowe and Saka, they're all going to improve, then we're just like tracking with the others. We need to be putting in players of that quality. And remember, they weren't, and Elka was half a million. I know times have changed a little bit. Um but, you know, Overmars was, what, 11 million? Like, and again, football transfers have changed. But we've got to be creative and imaginative in how we, and ambitious in the way that we approach this summer transfer window. And, and, and Overmars was a top-quality player with injury baggage. Emmanuel Petit was a top-quality player that went on to, you know, play in a World Cup final. Uh, and, and Anelka was just the, 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 the breakout guy. But, it, like... They they were next level signings that if we made similar moves this summer, you wouldn't be saying who are those. You'd be thrilled, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, and I, feel, thought- I, I, I think I think you know you're right, Matt. In terms of transfers have changed, and we're going to get onto this quickly soon anyway. But 
you know, it, it, the, the fees may have changed, but it's all relative at the end of the day. And what you're essentially talking about are established players who have clear high ceilings, because all of those players, I mean, Anelka was the biggest unknown commodity. You know, people knew about Vieira, but he just hadn't got there yet. And he was having a bit of trouble uh, in AC Milan. So we were coming in with decent expectation. We didn't know how good he was going to be. Petit had been around. These are not, these these were experienced players. And some of the players that we might be being linked with, they're going to have to be having, outside of the really young ones, you know, international experience. They're getting capped. They've played at top-level competitions, but maybe haven't earmarked themselves as being top, top, elite level, but they flirted with it. They've shown glimpses of it. And that is where they can come in. We unearth those gems and take them, players who are already very good, to the next level. And that's how you can, you know, start to dip into having world-class players throughout the squad. All right. Uh, well, we took the hottest take to the longest take. 23 minutes. My word, they're getting value on this Patreon. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift into the into the next section. If you're an OG Arsenal opinion podcaster, you might have remembered way back in the day we used to have a little feature. Um, it was called Famous Shirts, uh, and we'd pick a number and then we talk about all the famous players that have worn the shirt because it'd take you down uh memory lane and we'll we'll get to show off uh, Matt Candela's elephant-like memory for anything <laughs> Arsenal so we're going to go in reverse order because some of the OGs might have listened to some of the earlier numbers um we're going to start on shirt number 46 and I'm going to pull up some slides so if you're listening I've got some pictures of some very famous number 46 uh first one uh it's a it's a it's a it's a German looking player and he, his name's Thomas Eisfeld. Latter day, uh, latter, end, of, end of the road Wenger when he was just throwing money at whatever looked good. Um, this next picture, I don't know whether you can spot the number 46 in there, but he plays for Leeds now. His name's Luke Ayling. Uh, and there is another 46 in here that's quite famous. Um, Henry Lansbury. He's yep. uh, sitting at the back there. And then the final one... Uh, Jack Jeb, Jack Jeb's brother came on Twitter to abuse me once uh, for making jokes <laughs> about his brother. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. Anyway, I want to uh, like uh, who who wants you to could you could get inspiration in... from that haircut though, Pete. I think couldn't you? I know I probably had that haircut last week. Um, so we're, we're, who wants to start on number forty six? Who has a, a potent memory about one of these wonderful 46? Dejan Ilyev is, was also a number 46 uh, a goalkeeper of ours. I mean, uh, the, the two that are jumping out, I mean, yeah, Weisfeld, I mean, goodness gracious me. <laughs> there are some transfers where you're like, oh, yeah, what were we doing there? But um, Henry Lansbury, he was around for a while, was getting talked about quite highly. You always get these kids out the academy who go, oh, have you seen him? He's quite, he's quite handy. I saw a clip this week of Henry Lansbury... Um, it was kind of in a compilation from the championship, grabbing the nuts of a goalkeeper in a in a twenty two man brawl. Like it, a brawl had kicked off. Like you know, people are grabbing each other by the throat. Henry Lansbury snuck up on on the uh, edge on the peripheries of the big mass ensemble and just grabbed the keeper's nuts and then walked off. And and the keeper comes around like he's really bothered by it. I mean, we don't really see that too much. It happened a lot more in the in the older days, like. I remember Vinnie Jones a, grabbing... a 90s move, an 80s, 90s move to grab someone's nuts, wasn't it? 
Yeah, you know, Vinnie Jones grabbed Gazza's nuts, didn't he? But you don't see it too much anymore. You know, just give it a good, ooh, like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, maybe, you know, Premier League. Sexual, sexual assault, really, isn't it's it? It's essentially, it is essentially sexual assault. But at the end of the day, you know, no. has Henry Lansbury been charged with that? Because that keeper looked like he wanted to press charges. So that was my memory of Henry Lansbury. And the only other one is Luke Ayling, who, since leaving Arsenal, you know, he does look like a prick, doesn't he, Henry? Uh, that Luke Ayling, he does. He's got the Shoreditch samurai little. Um, <laughs> uh, he's got a little top knot on his hair these days. Put in an awful challenge this year at, on Gabby Martinelli, and rightfully sent down the tunnel. But um, yeah, you know, he'll never reclaim the greatness of being at Arsenal because he's now at a dirty Leeds team and looking, yeah, like he's got a pretty shit haircut. Quite frankly, that's those are my thoughts. Matt, what memories do you have of this wonderful selection of top-tier talent? Um, I was actually just looking up where Thomas Eisfeld now plays. Do you know where? Do you know? Do you know where he plays now? Do you know what the yeah, name of it is? Like he now uh, plays retired to in a team make... called Rot Vice Essen. Rot 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 Vice Red Essen. White Red and White. That's and, that's and, like a beer, like a like a white beer or something. They and they play in the third third division in Germany. Uh, mm. For a team in the North Rhine, how the mighty fall! Um, I quite but, liked know, him. He played a few preseason games, didn't and he? And he came from Dortmund, you know, mm. elite DNA, uh, youth sure. DNA. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, don't you always find that this, the best player or the captain of the reserve team never goes on and makes it? It's a bit like that, that, that sort of the Henry Lansbury, like the one who you hear about a lot and then they never make it, whereas. It's always the ones that go under the radar that seem to like accelerate through. Like no one was talking about Saka. Everyone was talking about like Reese Nelson. Mm. And then Saka suddenly is in the first team banging goals and Reese Nelson is uh, getting butterfly tattoos. Um, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so that, there was that one. Henry Lansbury, I always thought he had a bit of the David Bentley about him. Yeah. You know, he always looked like you might see him driving around in like a, a Ferrari, um, you know, Walking, getting, getting papped, walking out of Nobu, um, but fundamentally is like a League Two centre mid, uh, decent player, but probably left um, a bit of that didn't didn't quite have the right uh, mentality and the attitude. I thought it was interesting hearing. We're not talking about Reese Nelson, but him talking about how he realizes now, hopefully, well, probably too late for him at Arsenal, but that he thought his the mental side of his game, the preparation side of his game, wasn't up to wasn't up to snuff, basically. And so you wonder about these number forty sixes. You know, the key for a number forty six to get that number eleven shirt or num- or get that number seven set is to be a mentality monster. And maybe um and and maybe it was talent, but maybe it was it was you know they some of these players believed the hype a little bit too early, um and couldn't make it because there's not a huge amount of difference between. Luke Ayling at centre half at Leeds and Luke Ayling. I mean, we've had some terrible centre halves at Arsenal in the last ten years. I'm surprised if he had a bit more discipline and maybe managed his personal life a little bit better, he couldn't have got a good got got a shot at Arsenal because we've been desperate for young, strong English centre halves. So, um, so yeah, that's 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 that's, that's my team. Henry Lansbury. I, I think maybe we were a little bit fooled by the name. 
Maybe, you know, sometimes someone has a really good name and you think this guy's got to be good. Quite a handsome boy as well. Definitely had a little bit of the Beckhams about him. I, 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 and he, he never really underperformed in an Arsenal shirt. I just think he was a little bit slower. He was a little bit too slow. But I think he went to Nottingham Forest. Uh, he had a fairly decent championship uh, career mm. uh, after him. And uh, it's, it's, it is interesting at, at the highest level. It's like with Luke Ayling, is it is is it attitude or is it is it talent because um like you, you don't know you don't know where it lands but like he is he is a premier league player like Wenger always used to say didn't he He'd say i give more careers to players than any manager uh in the premier league and he always used to point to all the players that we'd have uh at birmingham and um and west brom and all those areas and henry lansbury was definitely one of those sort of wasn't top tier, but he, he had a he had a good career. Well, I'll um, tell you one of my uh, one of my favourite Arsene Wenger stories. One of the few times that I was lucky enough to meet him, and it was in the director's box. I'd been invited uh, for, for a friend, and it was the FA Youth Cup final, and Jack Wilshire was in centre mid for the youth team, and uh, and Arsenal won convincingly, um, and everyone was sort of you know. I went straight into Arsene Wenger and was just like, which of these, I'm a massive Arsenal fan, which of these players are we going to see making it in the first team? Uh, which, like, which of them have got careers at Arsenal? Expecting a very political uh, sort of um, uh, answer, really. And straight away, he said, one will make it at Arsenal, uh, Jack Wilshere. This was after they'd absolutely, the whole team had put on a, virtuoso performance and I go only one player only one and Jay Emmanuel Thomas I think had scored two goals or something going up top and he goes Jay Emmanuel Thomas could make it but at centre half not striker and he wants to play striker so he won't make it Arsenal yeah I mean, I mean it's, it's, a, it's a it's a nice story actually I, I, I you know you, you forget about this I've just got a couple of points to add one um, on Wenger himself actually it's funny when we look at players like Thomas Iceberg, we all know we've got the Arsenal nearly 11 of the players Wenger nearly signed. Oh, Zlatan up front, Yaya Toure in centre midfield, you know, and, and the list goes on. Well, you can quite comfortably, you know, put that up against Wenger's players he did sign who are in the, where the, in the fuck are they now, quite frankly, you know, Iceveld holding midfielder, feeding um, Yaya Sanogo up top. You know, they, <laughs> You don't just get to live off your um, players you nearly signed, Arsene. But also, just as a final point on that, when you think about players coming through, we can't pretend that all footballing positions are made are made uh, evenly, and that is that does change throughout different eras. Like different positions get more focus, and I think that even though I'm about to make this point, is slightly changing with the advent of the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold, etc. But overall. It's much easier because the gap between elite fullbacks and, you know, just standard fullbacks is much smaller because ultimately you don't have to be a world-class talent. You just have to do your job very well. The likes of Gary Neville and stuff who've made careers out of just being durable and useful, but unspectacular. Whereas when you talk about players that you hear, if you are going to be a centre mid, it's very rare, particularly an attacking centre mid or a striker, it's very rare that you don't hear about them before they get going because they're headline grabbers. So, you know, even when you say about Saka, people were talking about Reese Nelson. I'd heard of Saka, 
I just didn't know if he was going to be the next in line. But Reese missed his shot, and then it was on to the next round. You know, it wasn't like Saka was like, oh, he's been shit for you. He was always good. You tend to know, like Jack Wilshire, we knew Jack Wilshire was coming. Everyone knew Jack Wilshire was coming, and he came through. If you're if you're in those focused positions, integral to any good team, you are probably grabbing a few headlines and a few people's attention before you land on the doorstep of uh, the first team. Charlie Patino, we all know he's coming. It's yeah. just, is he going to take that chance? Exactly, exactly. Was uh, intro just like final point on uh, on attitude? It was interesting to see uh, Jed Spence, who had a worldie against Arsenal in the FA Cup, uh, say, "Where's my manners? Welcome to Twitter, Neil Warnock." Because uh, Neil Warnock said he wasn't good enough. And um, I thought Warnock's response was great. He said, "I always said you were Premier League or non-league." Glad to see you buckled down. And you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. great. As a re- I thought that was a really, uh, like, the, the, a sort of response only a man in his 60s can make. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, really, really deliver. <laughs> I hadn't seen that response. But also, um, you know, I, I like people who use um, disappointment as fuel. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is always one of... Uh, life's great motivators is trying to prove people wrong so i have a lot of respect for that i also think the fact that he put it out there and put it on twitter and made it public is a sign of maybe immaturity because you don't need to that he knows he doesn't need to go after him and i think that that is a red flag in my opinion like and i know it's hit at the moment it's emotional we're all fans and all that sort of stuff but he doesn't need to do that he proved his point he proved his point. And, you know, how you treat people on the way up and the way down is part of the course. And I think you look at someone like Saka, who is a mentality monster, and you think, would he ever do that? Absolutely not. That's just not his style. It's let your feet do the talking and see how it all pans out. Because, you know, he could bomb next year and everyone's going to be laughing. So, um, just a just a thought on 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 mentality since that's a big thing today. All right, well, and the famous famous shirts seem to be a hit, and we'll be coming back next week with number forty five. But we're going to move on to the next section, and I'm calling it IT Corner, ITK Corner. Well, not not ITKs, but it sounds cool, and uh, that's what it's all about. So we're going to talk ins and outs uh, because there's uh, a lot of exciting rumors rumbling around. I'm going to fire up the slides again because why not? Okay, first on the ITK corner, Serge Gnabry has refused a £310,000 a week contract at Bayern Munich. The 26-year-old is looking at his next move. He's finished with the Bundesliga. He's won it all, uh, basically. And he has uh, fluttered his eyelids, uh, eyelashes, Arsenal in the past. Um, I saw him um, at, at the at the Emirates early in his career. I think I saw him in a European game where he uh, gave the ball away and uh, we conceded a goal against the German side. I think it was Schalke. Um, he's, he's back on the radar. Is he back on the radar? I mean, it sounds like an absolute nonsense, but he's got Arsenal fans dreaming. We united around the vision of Serge Gnabry uh, giving us production in the final third. Who wants to go first on this dreamboat who was out in his Adidas-Gucci collaboration earlier on this week? Um, Matt, you're sparkling. You're smiling. What's going on? What do you think? 
It's Flavich all over again. Uh, it's never in a million years going to happen. Uh, and the sooner we stop dreaming and stop, it, it, the better, because all we're going to get is disappointment. I would absolutely love him at Arsenal. He is exactly what we need to do because he guarantees you goals out of nothing. He does. He scored four at Tottenham. I mean, who can forget that? And imagine that he literally adds 20 goals, 20 Premier League goals, in my opinion, onto our, our goals for column next season immediately. Um, so, you know, and then he's got Arsenal DNA. We all saw him wearing that like great uh, Arsenal retro shirt. He knows what it's all about. He's Premier League proven quality, all of that stuff. Um, but it's not happening because it would just be such a backward step for him because he's at a level above Arsenal right now. Um, and so, and then the other point of it is, you know, he really plays on the, on the, on the left-hand side of a front three or he can play on the right-hand side of a front three. And we've got Saka and Martinelli. And we're absolutely crying out for that totem, that number nine. And I don't think we've got the budget to go and do this and get a killer number nine as well. So I think we've got to stop dreaming. Um, although I also think this is exactly the kind of move that would actually really make me think that Arsenal have ambition. And ambition is something... I think we're, we're not unambitious, but we're, we're not particularly ambitious. Um, and so, yeah, but Vlavic all over again, not happening. Get over it, Arsenal fans. Johnny yeah. Cochran, uh, this is one of the sauciest players on and off the pitch in Europe. He's got Arsenal DNA coursing through his blood. And Matt Candela <laughs> says, don't stop dreaming. Are you going to stop dreaming? Is it over for you? Are you defeated? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say I, I disagree with Matt here, to be fair. I definitely do. Um, look, the thing, the thing is, is you, you've you said, and I, I completely understand your reasons why you went on to explain. Like, I can't be hurt anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. And I know where you're coming from. I understand it. But it's not Vlajevic all over again, because there's a clear difference between these two players. Vlajevic owed us nothing. Not that Nabry owes us something, but he has a link to the club. Vlajevic... We're just another club who are trying to sign him. And there's a bigger club with more prestige offering probably as much or more money to him. And he doesn't have to go move too far. Uh, he's going to take it. And he went with Juventus. Like, you know, Arsenal are not the kind of club where we can look at him moving to Juventus and go, oh, you've taken a step back. No, like Juventus are legit. The issue is with Nabry. And I'm not for a second saying that I expect us to sign Nabry. I'm just saying there's a chance. And the chance kind of can be distilled into this point. Serge Nabry has been on the record on a number of occasions saying he loves Arsenal. He didn't just, we're not just some ordinary club that he played for in the past. He loves Arsenal. He said he follows us, follows us. He follows the games. He's happy when we're winning. Now, from a sporting point of view, there is little argument that can be made for him moving to Arsenal. He's already playing at a level above us. Um, you know, the only one you might be able to say is that the Premier League is the best league in the world. I'm sure he could get moves to bigger clubs than us in the Premier League. That's the level we're dealing with. But do you want to be the main man at a club in the Premier League that are going to be pushing up and and reshaping a new era? And you, you support this club. Essentially, you've said that. You support it. Um, 
So that is the argument, the only sporting argument. But the reality is, is apparently I'm here. Real Madrid are interested in him as well. You know, Real Madrid over Arsenal all Chelsea, Chelsea apparently. Liverpool. I don't. If, if we Chelsea. take him at his word, that, out of here. That, that he likes <laughs> Arsenal. I think here. he turns Chelsea down. Uh, you know, uh, there are better offers that he'll get. But um, and I also disagree in the sense that you were saying about what we could afford. The the only reason why this is even up for debate is because of his contractual situation. He's in the last year. He said he's not signing. So we know more than any club, when you get players in that situation, they get sold mostly. Because Bayern Munich, who are not like owned by some oil baron, they are obviously have spent lots in the past, but it's it's not the same kind of setup. They would like returns on players that are leaving. And if they were to get offered 20 million, for instance, they're going to take it as opposed to nothing a year later with a player who's no longer interested in being there. So I think that we would need to fully get our elbows out. This is, to use my old adage about uh, being at the disco and making moves early. That's what should be happening right now. Do not wait for the lights to go on. Get in there, ruffle some feathers, lay out a systematic plan for Nabry to make him feel fully, fully comfortable with what's going on. And um, he may, we are essentially asking him to bestow a bit of charity on us to come in. <laughs> the only other thing I would definitely say I disagree with you, Matt, on is when you said, oh, we've got Saka and Martinelli. Martinelli, you're done, mate. If, if Napoli's playing, you're, you're done. On the bench, that's what's happening. We are not here to hold people's hands. If you want to play, you've got to be better than Saka or Martinelli. And that that's how we need to get back into this. When you talk about bridging the gap to Liverpool, no one's, you know, feeling sorry for Diogo Jota because he has to go on the bench when Salah and Mane are there. No, play better, play at the top, top level and you'll beat them out. But if you're not, you're benched. And that's what we need to get back into in terms of squad depth and, uh, you, you know, um, quality backups. My hot take on Serge Gnabry is I think it's a year too early. I think that when we get top four next season, which we will, I think there will be cherry on top signings. And that's Serge. I think when you're 26 years old, you want to win the Champions League uh, and, and you want to be in with a chance. I think that that's probably a bit too distant for players that live in sort of short-term windows. And I, I actually think the bigger issue with Serge is that salary. Like if you're if you're turning down three three ten, you're probably looking for three fifty. Uh, yeah, three fifty four. And he 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 is capable of getting that. Plays with his right and his left foot. He's got pace. He's a robust player. Uh, almost never injured, and he delivers over and over again. Um, so I think it's a little bit early. How did we let him go? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, but if, if you had a if you had a Ben Napper running the loans management, he wouldn't have gone out on loan to Tony Pulis. Absolutely shocking loan move. Uh, you know, not surprising that he didn't work in in that system. You know, we, we should have sent him back to Germany. We should have sent him to Werder Bremen and, and signed him back. But I know I I know some people that know him, and apparently he went on preseason, and we got out out tacticked in a, against a, a French team, and Arsene Wenger didn't know what to do. And he he'd also he also went to the Olympics and Arsenal didn't offer him a deal until he came back after he after he banged. So I think that that's a, a prime example of how you have to take chances in football when people are like, no no no, like let him prove himself. It's like no no no. Sometimes you just have to sign a deal. All right, we're going to move just, on. Just quick repost to those points, though, Pete. Number one. Um, you know, and I think overall you're right, but he, he wants to win the Champions League at 26. He's already done it. 
He's already done it. He's won leagues. Like the only uh, the only argument you can make for Arsenal is if he wants to go to a club that he essentially supports and become the main man, a legend. So he could do that. And in terms of wages, you're saying, you know, you're also assuming that he turned down 350 or whatever from Bayern because he wants more money. Maybe he just wants to get the fuck out of Dodge. He's getting, he's going to get paid well either way. At some point, money doesn't matter. It's about being where you're happy and comfortable. And I'm not saying that's at Arsenal, but there's an argument for saying that that might be the case. And we're making me dream, Johnny. You're making you know, me you dream. Think you, you think this could be like a Dennis Burkamp esque move where he starts the revolution? I think it would have to. It would be that seismic. And if you're coming in with the new Virgil Van Dijk, then I would you know, be in tune with what you're saying, Pete, about we'll get top four next year. If we get Nabry and Saliba comes back, then I think, yeah, we are. Get out of the way, the rest of them. Love it. All right, okay, let's move on to the next transfer rumour. The strong rumour that I think it, I think there's a really high likelihood that this, this transfer is going to happen. Yuri Tielemans is uh, into his last year. His deal with um, Leicester. Leicester are not a well-money club. They can't hold him to that deal. Um, he's uh, 24, 25 years old. He's got a lot of Premier League experience. He's had a pretty bad season under Brendan Rodgers. Um, but two seasons ago, everyone was purring about this guy connecting um, midfield, uh, c- connecting defence and attack. Um, what do we think about Yuri Tillemans and how could he fit into the system if he signs? I think he'd be a great signing. Premier League proven. Uh, something to prove. Right price. Two-footed. Uh, you know, I don't mind him coming off the back of a sort of disappointing season because he's young and we know the talent he's got. And I think we'll have scouted him so extensively that we know ex- we're going we're gonna to feel like we already know him and it, we, we're going to know exactly how he fits in the club. And he's just going to add some technical skill uh, into that midfield that's technically, you know, our midfield is weak at the moment. You know, we've got Party, we've got Odegaard, but like, Party misses half the games, yeah, and he will miss half the games next season. That's not changing. We should plan for that, you know. Prepare for the worst. Um, so I think he, I think he'd be, I think he'd be a really, really good signing for us. You know, he, he can be if we, if we were talking about we need our Petit, Overmars, Vieira, and uh, he can be our Petit. Yeah, he can be that 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 player. You know, who who is highly. Re- is, is well regarded, but not like considered one of the best midfielders in the world. And maybe we can help turn him into that in, in our structure and our team. Johnny Cochran, what do you think of Yuri Tielemans? Is it a good signing or is he, uh, is he too slow for this Arsenal midfield? I think he's a top, top player. And I think if this deal is available, we have to take it. Even if we sign another cent- a central midfielder, we still need Tielemans. He, he is... Anyone who's not up to up to scratch with this guy, like he he is a legitimately top top player, and he's ceiling. You know, it's funny that Matt said I kind of primed it earlier with with talk about who, how we're going to sign our new petites and stuff. I agree. This is that is the comp. He could be the new petite. He's got some finesse on the ball. He is durable. I mean, for me, he's the starting midfielder if we sign him, and that's purely because the fact that you can't rely on Thomas Party. Um, he will break down over the course of the season. And obviously, Tielemans is better than Xhaka for my money. So um, it would be, that would be the pitch to Tielemans that, yes, do you want to come to move to a bigger club? 
that dickhead Jamie Vardy might not realise it, but I'm sure you do now. You know, you know what's up. Um, and we give him an opportunity to move to London. This guy's an international for Belgium. Now, Belgium have quite a lot of talent in uh, their team. If you're playing for Belgium, you have to be a good player. And um, I think that Tielemans is all, has already shown uh, a level of performance that would improve us. But as I say, the key is, I think he's still got room to get better. I think he's still going to get better. And, and I actually think that, you know, the fact he maybe came off a season that wasn't, you know, in keeping with other great seasons he might have had is, um, you know, obviously because Leicester kind of underperformed is a good thing for us. Because if he had another rampaging season, you might have found more clubs getting involved in trying to acquire him. And then Arsenal get pushed further down, you know, the list of suitable destinations for him. But I think this has all the hallmarks of a player that we can get, we should get. And if we do get it, it will give me a lot, get him, I should say. We'll get a, it'll give me a lot of encouragement because fantastic technical ability, great on the ball, but also going to give you, match that intensity and ability to get his foot in so we can start being able to head into big games and dominate the midfield. We're not going to end up in situations where it's Thomas Party's out and now we're relying on Lukonga to get us through because there's nothing to say that he's going to be ready to step up to that plate by next season. I agree with that. I think he's. I think he'd be a fantastic signing. It's amazing how many people's default position on every player that we're linked to is their shit. Tielemans is such a, a, a technician. He's great in tight spaces. He's got a little burst of pace. Um, he plays these beautiful diagonal balls um, into forwards. Uh, he's got a brilliant way to pass. And he's got one of my favourite things. Certain players have got like uh, special moves. Mark Overmars used to have the greatest special move where he used to bobble it along the floor into the bottom corner. I used to love it. Tielemans has got a similar sort of special move. He loves a low fizzing shot across goal uh, and he's pretty good at it. So he's got he's got goals in a locker. Um, he's got production and it's he's he's the upgrade on Jacker because he's a lot more direct. Like Jacker like tends to spray the ball out a little bit wide. He's not very keen on a on a final pass and I think that Tielemans could bring that and I think if you're rotating him in and out of the team with Thomas Partey, I think you've got a really good midfielder. Well Tielemans um, can carry the ball more to the point. That's the situation likes to dribble, yeah. Jacker, you know, um Tielemans can dribble. I, I wouldn't say he's the fastest, but he's not slow. Um, and probably, you know, it's not hard to be faster than Xhaka, but he certainly Cesc would pace. add... Yeah, Cesc yeah. Pace. Cesc pace, exactly. And Cesc I don't dribble. Think, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that Tielemans has, you know, Cesc's level of vision, for instance. And I don't think he has Vieira's level of athleticism, but he's a pretty good middle ground on both of those. And if you get that in one player... That is a, a solid, certainly a solid upgrade on what we currently have. Um, but that is a player that you can build around and win things with. All right, we're going to move on to the next player. We're not going to talk about any more ins uh, because I think that's going to fire up this week. But we are going to talk about an exit and whether Arsenal is starting to get a reputation uh, as a club that can't sell players. And we're kind of getting laughed out every time we pick a price. Arsenal, I think, spent about... 20, 25 million pound on Bernd Leno. He's a German international goalkeeper. Um, he's He had a fantastic performance against Aston Villa earlier in the season. His kicking isn't that good. Sometimes he's a bit soft. But for a European club, I think he'd be a top signing. And Benfica uh, uh, running away from an 8.5 million pound transfer fee. What What's going on here? 
what is going on? Like Liverpool are asking for 15 million for Nat Phillips, Nate Phillips. What what's going on? Look, I think um, let, let's start at the beginning because I think, and, and we touched on it uh, with some of our insightful commentary around other positions, which is there is a a narrative going around that to be an elite goalkeeper, you have to be able to play out from the back and be your you have, your distribution has to be top notch, and Liverpool have done that, City have done that. But there was a big thing I noticed in the Champions League final. Best goalkeeper in the world at the moment is Courtois. You know, he kept them in it. He won them the Champions League. Chelsea got rid of him because contractual stuff, but they also thought there was also the sense that he couldn't play out with his feet. He wasn't that good at distribution. He was a shot stopper. He was a ball claimer. And I'm wondering whether that narrative is going to change a little bit because I think Courtois... He just he he lit the most important thing for a goalkeeper to do is to keep the ball out the back of the net, and he did that. And Bert Leno is very much in that mould, and so for us to think that somehow he's a goalkeeping dinosaur or because of the things he can't do, he's no good, is absolutely ridiculous. He was a little uh, bit meek though, wasn't he? When he got pinned at Brentford, it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as imposing, and you never felt. Very true. Know, he didn't, he Very didn't true. But I mean, we, 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 he's the only player that he's the only player that where we judged him on Brentford and then didn't give him another chance. Unlike everyone else, he played in that game and that defeat and all of that. But it's 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 a fair point. I'm not saying he's the best goalkeeper in the world. I'm not saying he's better than Ramsdale. Better than eight point five million though. He's definitely better than eight point five million. But you know, this is the whole problem with Europe at the moment. It's there's no money anywhere apart from the Premier League. Yeah. Mm. Um, and everyone knows that, and everyone knows that. This is another example of where, you know, could he have played a few more games? Uh, could he have come in at the end of the season? If, he, if he'd come in at the end of the season when Ramsdale was having his form was dropping off a cliff, yeah, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it could, it, it, it could help. Um, my, my, my thing is, I, I, I'd certainly get your sentiment, Matt. Um, I'd, I'd see it a little bit different on some things. I do think there is a trend of trending towards, um, you know, keepers being very good with their feet. And Leno's shown that he's not the best with it. The reason why um, there's always going to be room for people like that is not all teams play the same way. Real Madrid clearly don't need their goalkeeper to play out to generate their attack. They have different players to do it and they do it in a different way. Benfica or whoever that is, there are teams out there that don't require their keepers to do that. They just require them to save shots. And for that, Bernd Leno is a very good shot stopper. He's proved himself to be that. I think the stumbling block comes in, as you rightly um, asserted, that his his is a mentality issue. And he, it, I think that he's a bit, he is a bit meek. He went hiding in big moments and doesn't claim crosses well enough for my money. He, he's um, too flat-footed on his line and it invites opposing teams on. So I do think that there will be interest in him and, and we absolutely should not be accepting anything less than eight and a half. That's a piss take as it is. Eight and a half million, it's going to be your starting goalkeeper. If you're interested in him, you want him to play and he and he's going to cost you that much money at least. And if you don't, if you're not interested, there'll be someone else. This is not asking people to break the bank. We know that a lot of people are, have now got to find money for Arsenal opinion Patreon in. We get that. But, you know, that that's the squeeze. But at the end of the day, clubs like that should be able to, even with their Arsenal opinion Patreon, they should be able to find eight and a half mil for Burnt Leno. 
All right, well, we're going to move into the final phase of the podcast. We're going to leave Colt Hero out this week because we've been gassing today. We've been really trying to squeeze every piece of value out of this for our new Patreon listeners. Um, so we're going to finish on uh, a quick winners and losers so we can wrap up within an hour. I'm going to go to you, Matt Candela, first because I know that you've got to exit. Matt, winners and losers of this week, who are you thinking? Jeez, oh, that's a tough one. Winners and losers of this week. Um, I can start. Well, you start. If you, if you want to think. Um, I want to say the losers this week, uh, the French police, absolutely disgraceful. The uh, they, they pepper sprayed kids. They didn't let fans into the stadium that had tickets. They blockaded the fans and put them in dangerous situations and then blame their behavior of all fans, blaming Liverpool fans for um, a crush at a stadium. It's absolutely disgusting. If that happened in, in, in England, we wouldn't get a World Cup for 50 years. I think it is unbelievable that... It happens in France time and time again. And the worst thing, the French police weren't there after in Saint-Denis when fans were getting mugged and there are videos going round of, of people having their phones uh, stolen. Shouldn't be a horrible experience going to a European Cup final. And I think the French police made that experience for Liverpool fans even more disastrous than it was because they lost the actual competition. So they're my losers of the week. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll I go with that. And I also heard that they put a bike lock on a, a disabled fan's wheelchair and like bike locked her to like a, a lamppost and wouldn't let her leave. Disgraceful. Um, and winners, yeah, ultimately it is going to be the perennial winners that are Real Madrid. They've done it again and they've shown that it doesn't always have to be, you know, your, obviously it's further down the line with some of these. These are, They've hardly got their begging bowl, but it doesn't have to be, you sign loads of players at huge prices and they, are the ones Galacticos get you over the line? They've got a, a bunch of aging players that have ultimately done it for them, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree a little bit with you on the Liverpool fans thing. Um, I've, I've, I've seen Liverpool go away in Europe for two decades, and you know, I just think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm not saying that all of it was their fault, and I'm saying the French police were obviously disgraceful in places but I'm saying Liverpool fans are amongst the worst that go away to Europe I've seen videos of them indiscriminately punish, uh, punching Real Madrid fans in the face for two decades they have robbed and stolen across across the continent that's been part of that's that's part of the Liverpool DNA people might say that's like it is it's what they it's it's what they do and um and I've also saw videos of them storming turnstiles of of being on the jib getting in without tickets, thousands of fans. And we've there's videos online of it. And so what I'm saying is some of those fans have ruined it for the, the good Liverpool fans. This is always a minority. Every club has them. Arsenal has them, although I, I do think to a far lesser degree than a lot of other clubs. But, you know, it cuts both ways. And, and I think we need to also look at some of the behaviour, especially of, well, English soccer fans in general are a disgrace uh, when they go abroad. I think we saw the Rangers fans at the Seville game, disgraceful. Um, it's an English, it's a disease. It's an English disease more than anything else. We and... do it when we go on holiday. It's not even <laughs> just football. <laughs> we can't even, so, go to, we can't uh, even go to Benidorm. And so, and so I'm not saying that, I'm saying it's, it's, it, it's complicated, but I'm also saying that it's just, um, you know, it is, it is one of those, it's, it's, we've got to look at why we have to do this every time we go to a football match away. And <laughs> admittedly, it's probably got to do with 15 pints before midday. But 
it's 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 not good. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our first ever Patreon exclusive. Thank you for your kind contributions. Uh, we love you. Um, you don't need to know where to find us because we're on a Patreon. There's only there's only a hundred of us. This is very intimate. Um, Johnny, you got anything to to send people off with? Um, yep. Yeah, uh, tomorrow. I will be trying to upload not only the video, but also doing uh, uh, the podcast record of my top 25 Arsenal players of the last 25 years. It's starting from tomorrow. Um, I think around five o'clock, I'll probably do it. Wonderful. All right. Well, we will be back with a, a public podcast, uh, maybe later on um, in the week, if there's any movement in the transfer window. Gabriel Jesus is being linked very hard at the moment, and I'm sure there'll be some news um, coming to the club within the within the next month for sure um, uh, and I guess thank you for listening we're going to be back very soon ciao for now Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.